You are listening to the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Cinema Salsa, your tasty condiment of film talk. I'm your pepperminty host, Stephen White, and uh, with me is my uh caramelly full of eggnog f- there you go eggnog laced drunkard <laughs> Philip <Egg. laughs> well not far off the mark there but appreciate that yeah you're welcome i was trying to be festive since we're this is the holidays and then maybe you're listening to this around the holidays or maybe you're not but that's when we're recording and it's the festive time of year the festive time of, do you like Christmas movies? I don't think we've ever discussed Christmas movies before. <laughs> not really. Um, it's funny because my wife's been watching nothing but Christmas movies for about the last two weeks. I'm like, how have you not exhausted all of the possibilities? But apparently there's a lot of them now. I know that there's a lot of them, but I don't feel as though I watch a lot of them. There are no. the few that you kind of put on here and there, which... I think I've fallen out of that tradition. You know, you just watch a movie so many times, you're like, I, I'm good. I don't I don't really want to watch it again. But some people can watch them over and over and over and over, and it never gets old. Me, personally, I like to savor my movies. <laughs> so if I've watched it once, I'm like, all right, I've got to take a break. And then I'll come back. There are rare exceptions. I, if I really like a movie, I'll watch it again very soon after. Mm-hmm. But... Most of the time, I'm like, no, no, no I want to, I want to, want to savor this one. I want to just put it on on the background. Yeah, I think when I grew up, my my mom was a big fan of Christmas Carol. Um, the and there's tons of versions of that movie, mm-hmm. uh, but it's the one that stars the actor Albert Finney, hmm. and so that's the one I grew up watching a lot, like every Christmas. But as an adult, I just I'm not a very I just don't really get into traditions all that much, or I mean. I don't know if it's just the last couple of years. I just haven't really, it, time just seems to be different now. And I have a hard time really paying attention to the different seasons. And I just haven't really, we did decorate our house for the first time in a while because my, my son, my stepson usually goes home to his, or goes to see his dad for Christmas. But this year he stayed here. Mm-hmm. And it's like the first time, you know, my wife is super excited because he's here. And so we got a tree and, you know, put up some lights, but we even that is like we don't often do that but i don't know i haven't like i know a lot of people like home alone for christmas and a lot of people talk about die hard as a christmas movie and i just haven't even yeah which yeah i I don't i don't subscribe (laughs) to that uh no it's a movie that takes place during christmas but um anyway so no i I, i'm not a big christmas person or christmas movie watcher right habitually anymore yeah habitually it's fallen out of favor with me over the years, I don't mind uh, a Christmas or a Christmassy movie of sorts. Like, uh, I think last weekend I watched Gremlins just because I was like, eh, you know, it's Gremlins. Yeah, I was like, it's. Does that take place during Christmas? Yeah, I was just like, it's. I don't it's remember. I haven't seen that. Christmas, Christmassy, I guess. You know, I mean, it's more Christmassy than Die Hard. I'll give it that. <laughs> but it wasn't because, oh my God, I've got to watch Christmas movies and, oh, what do I want to watch? It was just, I saw it and I was like, Gremlins, you know, sounds sounds like a fun time right now, and I did. What's so funny that? Well, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was pretty much done. Well, 
it's it's such an industry now on on the streaming platforms i mean if you go on a netflix the first you know the first thing that pops up are all these christmas movies mm -hmm. and so it's kind of nice that um I, I you know come down and you know check out my wife see what she's doing what she's watching and there's some like actors who pop up in these movies that were big actors you know maybe 20 years ago and you haven't seen them in a while like Andy mcdowell was in one mm -hmm. um trying to think of some others but so I, I don't know it's like maybe it's a little industry that can uh help uh actors who are not necessarily getting all the roles that they might want but every year maybe they can do a christmas movie and <laughs> i mean if you're doing something different with it i think that's the other part of it that i just I guess I don't go out of my way for is there seems to be a running theme in a lot of them. Most of them are yeah. those romantic comedies or mm -hmm. something to that effect or family comedies where it's like, ah, I hate my family, but by the end of it, we love each other because it's Christmas. Mm -hmm. The trope is old and recycled for every thing, but occasionally you find one that kind of stands out where it's like, oh yeah, this is, I like this one because it's different or it's charming or for whatever reason, it stands out and you kind of want to watch it like um, this year, matter of fact. I think it was like it came out during Thanksgiving or right around that same weekend. There was a movie that came out called 8-Bit Christmas with uh, Neil Patrick Harris on HBO Max. That could be one that I would watch, uh, you know, again next year, something like that. Annually. Yeah, that was recommended to me, and I I told my wife about that, and because she had been like binging everything on Netflix, I'm like, some of the other streamers have uh, Christmas shows, you should check them out. Mm -hmm. And she did watch Eight Bit Christmas, but I didn't yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch it with her. But I'd say the reason that I I personally feel like I would watch it again is not only is it a Christmas movie uh, in that you know the sense of when it takes place and what it's all about, but there's there's kind of a connection there. And I think you would have that same connection, you know the the desire to have a Nintendo at that age and you know, yeah. this kid's quest to get one. It was like, oh, yeah, I can kind of relate, I guess, to a point. But that just kind of made it something different, you know? Yeah. I've just been real bah humbuggy and just been playing Halo Infinite and not really watching <laughs> hey, not, Christmas movies. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I've actually, at least you have a game to kind of go to because I heard, when did that come out? It came out two weeks ago, right? Yeah, something like that. Ask the guy who has a video game podcast. <laughs> I don't keep up with Halo. Anyway, uh... But no, I've kind of been, when it comes to video games, I can't remember the last one that I played because I got to the end of something like a long stretch of games and then I was like, you know what, I just, I don't really feel like starting anything big. Like I went back mm -hmm. to ones that I've played that I can just kind of pick up, you know, piddle around with and then I go back to whatever, but no, I've not really gotten anything big. So you're liking Halo Infinite, I guess? Yeah, it's it's fun. I um this is really the first Halo game I've ever played. Um never been a big Xbox guy. Um I think I played the very first one because my roommate, college roommate had it mm -hmm. a little bit. So it's not like something that I nerd out over, but um I was just curious to see if it was any good and just looking for something kind of fun to just pick up and play every for a little bit here and there. And it's yeah, it's definitely filled that uh need. It's not yeah, it's a fun campaign, I guess. The, there's a lot of different elements in the gameplay um, to kind of keep the variety and uh, different ways you can do things. So it's, I think it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Are you excited for the TV show? <laughs> I didn't know there was a TV show. Yeah, Paramount Plus. Uh, not a no. sponsor. We're just, I'm just bringing it up for the sake of the show. <laughs> Halo, the series. And I was like, I don't have 
a dog in this race. You enjoy. Is it going to be animated or live no, action? Live action. That's uh. they're pushing for, and it could be like some other stuff and get canceled after one season. But we won't well, get into that. I didn't realize. There are some people who are really, 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 really into the lore of Halo and read like all these novels and things that have been published surrounding um, that whole IP, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. So I could see a TV show, you know, doing something if it's good, because people really love the world of Halo for some reason. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess I can get into that. The idea of getting into the lore pretty good. I would say that I've with Mortal Kombat. It's one of those games mm -hmm. that the lore kind of fascinates me a little bit. So I will, yeah. like, I don't go out of my way to like buy comic books or, or watch all these different things. But if there's a little something that, that I can kind of glean from, it's like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. And it's like, oh, that kind of connects mm -hmm. to that. I can, I can get into it, but I don't, right. I'm not obsessive. And I don't know how bad these Halo obsessives are because I'm not, about to go buy books and novels about Mortal Kombat. I'm just like, nah, I'm good. With Yeah, I didn't even know like that that was even a thing. But, I mean, Bungie, I guess, is known for, you know, developing kind of a lot of, I, I guess, with, uh, what's their new thing they've been working on the past 10 years? Uh, uh, Destiny. Called? Destiny. Mm -hmm. So there's, a, you know, tons and tons of lore and stuff. So I guess that's kind of their thing. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know it had gone on and kind of, you know, been licensed out to... to different publishers to make novels and and like adults were reading them <laughs> like adults who like don't read a lot but they what they do read is like halo novels and i didn't even know that was a thing but so i'm just saying it could have it has potential i suppose I, yeah i guess that's all i'm saying i think i remember and they didn't specifically state any actors that were going to be a part of it but i feel as though at one time Liev Schreiber was connected to the series as mm -hmm. Master Chief, but I do not know if that's still the case. Be Does Master Chief ever take his helmet off? Well, see, that was one of those those big to dos that everyone was talking about. It's like you can't have. He never takes his helmet off, and mm. I think after this is not my speculation per se, but I, I read this somewhere and it makes sense. After the Mandalorian. You know, you can have a character who doesn't always take their helmet off. Granted, he does, but they showed that it works, that you don't have to have a face. So I think that's why, like, oh, yeah, we could just do that. and We'll never have to pay a real actor. <laughs> right. <laughs> we don't need Leif Schreiber to, to play Master yeah. Chief. I mean, he could voice act it, I suppose. Which but... he, he might still be doing. I don't know. They didn't. Yeah. I don't remember hearing voices. Other than some other narration, I don't remember it being Master Chief or it didn't sound like Master Chief. So, I don't know. I don't know anything about Halo, really. I played it no, maybe like one time and that was years ago. Well, they added a grappling hook, so that made all the well, difference. Well, damn. I, I, all I could remember was a, a gun on a car and bang, bang, bang <laughs> in a canyon yeah. or something. I don't know. It's been so long. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I mean, you nailed it. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, you want to talk about what we're talking about today? Because sure. I whipped out, um, uh, I had a hard time putting together a list, but I won't say after your suggestion, uh, it wasn't hard. It was just trying to narrow down what I wanted to talk about because uh -huh. after I remembered everything that I'd watched, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I remember that. You had a pretty decent number of things to yeah. 
And that's the opposite problem that I have. I just didn't watch, which is sad for, you know, person who is co-hosting a podcast about movies. I didn't watch that many <laughs> movies. And I didn't watch enough movies, I think, right. to to justify my existence in this in this podcasting ah, realm. It's fine. So uh, for all of you <laughs> out there who are listening, what we're going to talk about today are kind of our <clears throat> subjective best movies of the year, worst movies of the year, and maybe some TV. Uh, I really didn't have a worst TV list, but I did. I picked a few shows that I thought, yeah, you know, this would be my best of for TV or streaming. Keep that in mind. And also the movies are not limited to uh, theater only streaming platform. Cause I mean, some of these actually did premiere both theaters and streaming and so on and so forth. Probably. I don't know. I don't know what you watched, but <laughs> well, I think that, you know, based on the, the, the state of things, and we've talked about it a lot over the, the, the year, I guess that we've been doing this, that, um, it's kind of a fluid world right now. So I feel like it's okay to include streaming shows and, you know, things that maybe went straight to streaming mm -hmm. as part of the cinematic world you know at least for now yeah because that is just what the state of the thing the state of things now that's where most people are consuming or i hate what did i even say that watching movies and tv is at home right. so so the, the i guess what we'll try to do we'll try to limit it to five if we can i put more oh, no you put just threw that out there right now i didn't know that well Damn. i mean that's what you said <laughs> did i maybe Something to that effect, at least that's what I thought. So, no, I, I actually selected, like, I was starting to go through, and I wanted to try to keep, I didn't want to keep it, like, super small, but at the same time, I was looking at some of the movies that I had seen or had remembered seeing, and I thought, oh, I do want to talk about that, or I want to talk about that, mainly because uh, I, I thought they were really good, or, or maybe they kind of stuck with me a little bit. So, I do have more than five. So if you've got more than five, we'll definitely go over that limit and we'll just have... No, I mean, that. I mean, I like to have limits. That'll that'll make me think about it and I can try to pick out five here and then... If Yeah, like if you can. But if, if you've got one that... If you've got six that you just you really want to talk about, don't... Uh, yeah, maybe we can include a runner-up or two. Yeah, because just looking at the list that I had here... Uh, there are a few that I could probably do without talking about. I know one in particular, mainly because we have talked about it on the show. And I'll, this is me starting <laughs> the list. But uh, we talked about the Fear Street trilogy and how uh, surprisingly good it was. But we've already kind of gone over that, so I can I can skip over that. Um, so to kind of, and these are in no particular order too. So kind of keep that in mind. We're not trying to say that one movie's better than the other and the other. These are just things that we remember, things that we like for the year. I'm going to go ahead and start with one that uh, I saw recently, but also I can't talk about all that much because of the timing of it all, which is Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, I got to see it a few nights ago, uh, pre-release night, however they want to look at it since they say the 17th, 16th, whatever. But I would definitely put it up there as one of those those movies that I was like really uh, excited to see. I was doing everything in my power not to have it spoiled, and you know, the internet be the internet, and it spoils things when you don't want it to or not. I was doing really good until a um, YouTube algorithm decided to showcase a bootleg copy and clips 
on my recommended, and this asshole put spoilers in the titles, and I was like, son of a bitch. And then, <laughs> so at least it was one thing that I didn't know. There was another thing that got spoiled for me that I kind of had a hunch about, but it would have been nice not to have it confirmed prior. You know what I mean? But I'm trying not to say anything that would be spoilerific to all of you because I don't know. I think you should spoil it. It's out. I mean, I should. And I mean, this is going to be out, uh, you know, after some time. So if you haven't seen it by now, you're not a, you're not a true fan. I know. Anybody who really wanted to see it has already seen it, right? <laughs> right. That's what they say. I'm just kidding. I mean, you, you should... You, don't spoil no, it. But you can, I'm sure you can talk about it. I mean, it's been out. I mean, it, as far as what people know from trailers, um, obviously, we, we you see the villains. You've practically seen five, and that's really... I'm saying this. What you see in the trailer, that's what you get. So if you've seen the the villains you've seen in the trailers, those are your villains. Or hypothetical. Oh, shit. I'm teetering that line. <laughs> They're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. And so uh, everyone, it, it was nice to kind of see all the actors again. Although I will say that I was slightly disappointed in one aspect and maybe they did this uh, to kind of keep certain things secret, but if you're going to spoil it in the trailer, what does it matter? Sandman was played by Thomas Hayden Church in Spider-Man 3, returns here, but only in voice form. I'm, I'm going to kind of spoil this ever so slightly. He's never in a physical form. He, like, they, they treated the entire character, much like the lizard, as a CG character throughout the entire movie. And it just, it struck me odd. I was like, he was never just Sandman in the movie. He was actually a physical man who could turn to sand. So why are you, why, why, why not put him there in physical form, you know, to do the scenes as opposed to spend all that money on a CG character? I, it didn't make any sense to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was just, it was bizarre. <laughs> you have an actor, a good actor, who could look the part without looking like sand the entire movie. Why not just put the actor in the scene? So you're saying that Sandman has both a human form and a sand form? That is correct. Okay. And that he was only in the sand form in this movie? Yes. Okay. It just, it was a very odd choice to spend that money like that. Now, I don't know. If it was a, I haven't, if it was a co I, COVID thing, Sure. Sure. One less body in the room. Got it. But artistically, if that's what that was, stupid. And that's not me you shitting feel, on the movie. <laughs> you feel strongly about this choice that it was very detrimental to the to the quality of the film. Not detrimental. Oh, I'm not trying to say it's not sounds like it's detrimental. No, it's just it's, it's an odd creative choice. <laughs> Why? That, that, that fucked the movie up. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just it's a very odd choice. It, it's just my opinion on the matter of the Sandman. I'm trying not to spoil this movie. Um, and yet, with with all that said, it still made your top five. It did. <laughs> because there's so much more going on in the movie. Uh, they, I'll actually give the, the movie credit. Something it pulled off, and I don't know how it did this. 
But in the film, and I'm going to try to say this without, again, spoiling anything, there was a threat within the film that I forgot about. And somehow the film made me forget about it twice because I was so focused on this over here that I forgot about the, the real thing that's more threatening over there. And two times, I just, you know, my mind was not on that. And then when they, the threat reemerged, I was like, oh, of course, what? where was I at? I was here with this, and you made me forget about that. That's amazing. I thought it was. Other people, so they, other people may have a different uh, experience with that. That was just mine. And I appreciated that. Because it was kind of like genuine, like, oh, yeah. So that was kind of nice. So they had some nice misdirections in the story, storytelling and the mechanics of it that kind of threw you a couple times. So that's... Yeah. Uh, that's a good way of putting it. That's, that's what I'll say. The story itself... Um, hmm. How do I talk about it without really going into great detail? You put, What you saw in the trailers is pretty much what you're kind of getting, Peter has been exposed to the world. He wants to try and... He initially, I will say that, he initially tries to uh, deal with it, like see if he can navigate it, and it just becomes too much, and then that's when he goes to Doctor Strange and was like, hey, can you help out? Can you do something? And then, of course, in typical Peter fashion, he, he starts overthinking it, and he screws up the spell, and then that's when all the villains come out of the woodwork. So everything you kind of saw in the trailer, that was that's pretty much what happens. But what happens from that point on is what differs. And it really went in directions that I wasn't expecting it to because I wasn't sure how this would all play out. And how it ended, I think, is what I was most surprised by because, for me, it it leaves that question lingering in my head, where do we go from here? But at the same time, I appreciate the hell about where they put him in his life. And I'm trying to say that without, without saying anything, but that's... I, I appreciate that, you know? And I, I feel like if I even said how I felt about the ending as a whole in greater detail, it might spoil some stuff. So I won't, I'll, I'll leave it alone, but I, I, I like where he's at by the end of this, but it also kind of leaves a big, big question mark over my head going like, I don't, I don't know where you go from here, but in, in the best possible ways, you know? So I'll just say that I'll leave it there without going in any more detail. <laughs> what about you? What, what's a, what's a top movie for you? Unless you have questions about that. I can't answer. Um, no, I, I don't really have any questions, I guess. Um, well, I don't know if this is um, redundant or dumbing it down too much for our audience, such as it is. So is, is Spider-Man is now part of the MCU or? He has been. Oh, he has been. Yeah. Okay. It's Venom and the, well, see, even I don't, I'll just say Venom because I don't know about Morbius. Morbius is teetering some weird line and. So Spider-Man and Venom are now incorporated into the overarching MCU. So they're subject to being invaded by the Avengers and whatnot. Well, Spider-Man has been part of the, the MCU since uh, Civil War. 
the Captain America movie. They they kind of reintroduced that character and then was pretty much saying he is part of the MCU. Venom is the one that kind of existed in this other world, the Sony-verse, if you will. And spoilers for Venom 2, which has been out for quite some time. But there's a little mid credit stinger where they were just like, hey, Venom's going to be in the MCU. <laughs> and uh, without saying too much, that end credit stinger has no impact on Spider-Man No Way Home. Just saying. So if you were looking forward to that, I, I, I don't want to burst your bubble, but it's it's not that big of an impact. Just saying. So I'll leave that alone. So was this your favorite movie of the year? Uh, I feel like maybe I, I've missed something here, but it is one of those that I'm, I'm thinking about, like, I want to see it again. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not really eager to go back out to the theater. Not because I don't, the movie's not worth it. It's more like I want to reconsume it, but in my home where I can just yeah. really zone in on it and just, because Obviously, there was a lot of excitement in the theater. People were cheering, clapping, and all that mess. And I love <laughs> that experience the first time around. Second time around, I want you know, you've made me miss things. Like my wife, <laughs> I love her to death, but she kept talking in my ear for some reason that night. And I was like, please, I'm trying the movie. You know, mm. like I wanted to engage her, but at the same time, the movie. Did you not see what's on the screen right now? Mm-hmm. So I was I was really trying to teeter this line because I didn't want to get upset or, or aggravated, but I was trying to watch the movie. Get yeah. to see Spider-Man and you're talking. Stop. It's grounds for divorce. <laughs> but again, I love her to death when we, we had conversations <laughs> the entire way home about it, but best movie of the year. Maybe. Maybe, you know, and that's, I'm a very, I'm, I'm a sucker for MCU movies. I know people can find them bland and everything, but these are, these are my things, you know, these are things that I love and yeah, you know, I'll, you know, I'll even say this and and I'm, I'm not trying to knock anybody's movie because I haven't seen it, but I actually skipped over the Eternals. So don't. Count me as like a Marvel faithful. And it wasn't because I just didn't want to see it. I do want to see it. It was just one of those I wasn't like drawn to going to the theater. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like I've got to drop everything because the story's going to be ruined for me. I got to go now. Spider-Man was that way because spoilers were just like, ah, and I've been invested in that story for several years now. Eternals is something new. And I kept trying to get there and it just kept getting in the way so i was just like eh i'll get to it so you're a marvel fanboy but you're not the biggest marvel fanboy you're willing to skip out on a couple if they don't that was meet. that was the first one matter of fact really yeah because i've seen every mcu film in the theater up to oh, wow. the eternals and then that one is where the streak broke and i i hate that because i did feel like that was kind of my thing there for a while but COVID, man, it just and time and COVID. Well, I feel like you know you're not the only one. That movie just didn't really grab. That's what grab the the mass audience that 
I know. and They tend to do, or they usually do. And I hate it for them, you know, because I've heard mixed things. I don't know what to believe. I'll choose that on my own. But you had a good director, or at least that's what I always hear about her. So what about it just didn't connect? You know, it seemed like it was going to be this sprawling epic, something Marvel's never really done to this degree. I know they've done epic films before, but we're talking like big action adventure blockbusters versus something that's supposed to be like a sweeping dramatic epic with superheroes, or at least mm-hmm. that's the way it kind of comes off. So, I don't know. I, I do plan on watching it. It's it's not going to be... I know that I think it's coming to Disney Plus next month. So, my opportunity will be there and I can, I can view it for myself and then I'll just put it on my shelf when it comes out on uh, Blu-ray. Yeah, and it'll sit there. Well, I'm going to start off on my list with another blockbuster so we can just kind of keep it, uh, keep the tone. Okay. And it's one that we've talked about, so we don't have to go into it in great detail, but that's just going to be Dune. Okay. Yeah, Dune. And that was one that I disappointingly, I kept looking at on HBO Max. I said, I got a window. I got a window. And... If they'd have just if they'd have left it on there through Thanksgiving, I think I would have gotten to it. But it went off like right before Thanksgiving, when I had the time. So when I'm gonna have to wait until it comes back around. But tell us about so, Dune, because so disappointed in I, you. I'm disappointed in myself. Yeah, because I heard Missed Eternals and Dune. I heard nothing but great things about Dune, unlike the Eternals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know what. Um, not to get into it again and beat it beat a dead horse, but I just think it wasn't like something that was um amazing. I was a little bit underwhelmed, I think initially, but sometimes I think sometimes uh the best things or the things that are the kind of the most lasting oftentimes don't they might have to grow on you as opposed to just flooring you the first time right. and um so I think there's some subtle things in the movie that, you know, may not be immediately apparent, but the more you think about it, or maybe if I did watch it again, and that's something that I don't often do immediately. So I did see it in the theaters and then, I don't know, maybe a week later. So I watched it at home. And so I just, I think, so that's rare for me for a movie to have that kind of, you know, power to interest me enough to sit through. And it's a pretty long movie. Um, so I didn't mind sitting through it again. And you know, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything earth shattering or uh, like revolutionary about the story. Obviously the story's from the sixties and, um, it's kind of been done and it's been like kind of a launching pad for a lot of, um, different stories. I think Star Wars owes a debt to Dune and, um, so anyway, it's been, it's, it's not anything new. All right. And, um, but you know, it's just a well, it's just a well-made movie. And I think that's something you're going to get with Denis Villeneuve, regardless of, um, whether they're always a hundred percent successful, there's always good things in it. And, um, I just feel like there's a kind of a subtlety to it that again, maybe leaves you a little bit underwhelmed the first time, but I think that is kind of its strength. Right. Um, and you know, the, it's the, it's the cinematography and like the set design and the costumes and all that stuff is really good. It's really cool. And there's just a couple, you know, visual scenes in there that you're just, that are, that are kind of breathtaking, I think. Mm. Um, and just, you know, really neat ideas. 
So for all that, I mean, I'm not one not to shit on um, anyone's tastes, yours either. Like, I'm not the kind of person who really loves the MCU, the, Mar the Marvel movies, because mm -hmm. I do think they are kind of bland in a way. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of a blockbuster movie that I think, um, even though I'm sure it had a lot of hands in the cookie jar, you know, making it, it still, I think, is more distinctive. It's a, a, the vision of a group of people who really wanted to do this, and they were able to, you know, put their mark on sure. it. So. Well, I mean, it's definitely something I want to watch. And I know uh, Denny Velenu, uh, if I'm saying mm -hmm. the name correctly, uh, is a very, I won't say it's not divisive, but there's a, there's a style, like you said, very distinct style, mm -hmm. way of crafting film. And yet there doesn't seem to be widespread acclaim through general audiences. It seems yeah. like it's very niche at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I was saying. Like a lot of his movies do sort of seem um, like a little bit underwhelming. Yeah. Um, maybe to, maybe to a big audience, even though okay, he's made some big movies yeah. like Arrival and Sicario and I know Blade Runner was kind of a flop, but, um, but yet, you know, it's not like his movies haven't made money. Yeah. But yet, um, funny about Blade Runner, I've heard nothing but great things about that version. Like, I I know that the original is a little divisive here, but oh yeah, for those reviews that I read about 2049, it was just like, holy, this is an amazing movie, and yet no one saw it. Yeah. And I feel like that's the same here. You know? Mm -hmm. Of course, I guess it did get its sequel greenlit. Yeah, it made some... What's that? It said it did get its sequel greenlit, so I'm, yes, I'm sure that... Yes, So that's that's confirmed now, <clears throat> which I think was not confirmed necessarily, or it wasn't announced mm -hmm. when the movie actually released um, that it was that it did have a sequel. Um, but yeah, it's made it's made some good. I mean, it's made a lot of money, and I'm sure it would have made more money in in different times. But um, it's been probably his most successful movie. I haven't looked at the numbers in terms of just box office. But. Yeah. So that's my big blockbuster. Okay. Uh, do we want to... I'm trying to think if we want to shift gears a little bit into something different other than a blockbuster. Uh, what about something a little bit more uh, down to earth, I guess? Yeah, I guess this wouldn't be too down to earth based on uh, what it is, but it was something I also watched recently... <laughs> Uh, kind of pleasantly surprised by it because I'm not a, I've, I've not been a, how do I say this? I'm not saying I'm not a fan. I just, I've never went out of my way to see this person's work, but uh, the film Tick, Tick, Boom about Jonathan Larson, who wrote uh, Rent. It was a biopic on Netflix with Andrew Garfield. There was something about it. I was just like, you know what? I want to. This kind of seemed like there's an energy to it. I want to. I want to experience. It wasn't the Spider-Man connection that drew you. No, no, because I mean, I, I could see where people would uh, think <laughs> that, but there was just like a. He's an energetic guy. He's a good guy. I, people shit on him for being the not good Spider-Man, but I think he's a great Spider-Man. That's my opinion. Anyway. <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, but no, this is like my wife, she's she's wanted me to watch Rent for so long. And it's not that I have a problem with it. It was just like, eh, eh. and I, I'm a little like that with musicals, but a musical yeah. 
I I don't have a problem with them. I, my selection of them are small. You know, right. there are some that I really enjoy. For it was a big year for musicals. Yeah, it really was. Strangely, but they're just not something I gravitate towards. It's just yeah. like yeah. But this also is a musical, so mm -hmm. don't walk in thinking, oh, this will be just like about the guy and his drama. It's told in that way, right? But as a musical, as if. He's writing all this stuff as it's ex he's experiencing it. And I even kind of thought, based on the way it was presented, that this was about him coming up with the idea of rent. But there was, it was more of a, um, him trying to work on uh, different projects or, or one project in specific with this film. And it kind of shows you the path that would lead to rent but not it didn't get to the end and be like i've got this this play about you know people can't pay the rent but you see the inspiration around him throughout the movie so i get i, I see what they were trying to posit it as which was a very nice way of doing it but as a musical which was very fascinating too um i was really impressed with this movie and it, i was i really it made me want to go watch rent and mm. My wife was so excited when I was turning it on. I was like, you've been talking about it. I said, here, you know, we'll watch it now. And she's like, yay. But she just, <laughs> she'd been wanting me to watch it for so long. And I, yeah, it was pretty good. There was like a moment or two that I kind of, I don't know, my interest was waning a little bit and then it kind of picked it back up at the end. So I don't know if that's the film's fault or the play itself, but it is what it is. But no, I had, I enjoyed this. There was even a moment in there that I like related so hard to this guy because yeah. he had been working on this play for five years and then it was just like gone, nothing. And he was just, I can't start over. I don't want to do this. I'm, you know, X amount of years old. I'll just get a regular job. It's like him pretty much saying, I'm not going to chase my dream anymore. And I was like, dude, I just completely get where you're coming from, dude. Like I, I was him in that moment. I've been there. I've been through that mental gymnastics. So, um, it's a really good movie and I, I'd recommend it. It's on Netflix. I'm pretty sure that's where I watched it. Yeah. And my wife is also a huge musical fan. Mm. Uh, so she, she, she jumped on this right away, uh, since she saw it. Um, and I haven't watched it yet, but I did go down and, uh, was immediately drawn into it. Mm -hmm. I could hear it. I could hear the music. And, um, but I also went down and watched a scene and I don't remember exactly the particulars of it, but I was like, oh, this is really well done. I'm kind of interested immediately in what's happening here, even though I had no context for, I, I mean, I generally know what the movie's about. I had read a little bit about it, mm -hmm. but yeah, this is definitely one that I'll probably check out, you know, when I get to it. Yeah. But. Amazing. And, you know, it was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, that's right. And mm -hmm. obviously the guy who wrote um, um, blah, 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 Hamilton. And also In the Heights, mm -hmm. which was another musical that we talked about earlier in the year that came out on HBO Max and in theaters. That was I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And so it's been a big year for musicals. <laughs> now was with West Side Story and Yeah, I was about to ask about that. Did that was it a musical too? West Side Story? Yeah, because I know the original was. I just didn't know how this story like how Spielberg was handling it. Uh yes, it is a musical. Okay. Okay. So I, you know what? I don't know. Uh, I'm not, again, not a big theater guy, musical guy. I know West Side Story was a movie, 
um, in the sixties, I believe it came out. Mm -hmm. And, but I don't know if it was originally, um, like a Broadway show or if it was a music, a movie musical originally. Right. I'm sure it's been put on stage a number of times, but anyway, so yeah, Spielberg's is also a musical. Excellent. Well, what else you got? I was just combing through best of lists and this was on a couple and it was available on Netflix. So I just watched this. So this is, um, a Mexican film and it's a uh, kind of a mockumentary, I guess you could call it. <clears throat> so it feels like a documentary, um, at first, but then it kind of pulls back the, the kind of layers of the story. And you realize that, um, you know, the people that you're watching are actors playing characters, but there's just so many levels to it. And just a really interesting, like, well, I think the opening scene is probably one of the most captivating things I've seen a uh, movie TV or otherwise in a long time. Mm -hmm. Like it's just really interesting and powerful. I'm just out of breath from just walking upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so it was, it immediately drew me in and then, you know, it kind of, it opens up and you're not exactly sure, uh, kind of what is going to happen. And it just takes so many different twists and turns and layers of who these characters are. Um, they're actors playing, uh, cops and then they're actors kind of like talking about the process of becoming, co I don't know. It's just really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. And it changes, like it's beautifully shot. Um, it's super, it's very cinematic at first. And you're like, well, for a documentary. This is an amazing looking documentary. And then it, once it sort of becomes more about the meta commentary of the actors playing cops, it switches to like them, like vlogging on their phones, like this vertical portrait for format. Mm -hmm. And then the, after they get through that little section, it switches again to, instead of like a widescreen, like anamorphic where it started, it becomes more of a, um, almost like a TV, like, um, like a really well-produced TV show. Mm -hmm. So it just has like all these, it was really smart and really interesting. Um, it is um, kind of hard to follow because it is in Spanish and the it's really fast. Um, they're talking constantly. So you have to be like, I mean, you're reading a lot. So it's kind of hard to read and watch because there's just so much dialogue in it. Um, unless you speak, you know, fluent Spanish, then you obviously be uh, good to go, but mm -hmm. I don't. So it is one that maybe you could watch it a couple times, you know, obviously focus on what's being said and then maybe go back and watch, you know, maybe focus more on the visuals. Um, it is kind of, but I liked it because it was like, it was very, um, engaging. Right. You're never bored because you have to like be, you know, it's almost like, I don't know, you, you have to keep up with it. So it was, it's a lot of fun and it's a, it's about like kind of, um, the corruption, I don't, I mean, I can't speak on, I'm not going to speak a lot on Mexican society and government and stuff like that, but the difficulties of being a police officer in a society that doesn't give them a lot of support, mm -hmm. but also expects a lot from them. Um, yeah, just, just a really fascinating, I would highly recommend it. Um, even to people who don't, I mean, don't really like documentaries or even mockumentaries, but just give it a shot. Yeah. And just one of the most interesting and, and different things that I've seen in, in a long time. Okay. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it, uh, it's trying to do something almost satirical in a, in a sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's really trying to, to get out at something or, or at a problem without facing it, uh, 
seriously, but in in a, in the best possible way, I guess would. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, I mean that's the purpose of satire is is really to expose issues, but do it in a way that's funny. Mm -hmm. um, you know, comedy has a way of kind of like being mean. I don't know. I guess it gets kind of a people might not think it's serious, but it is. It's deadly serious, but it's a way to talk about things that aren't overbearing and you know mm -hmm. uh, didact didactic i guess sure. you know excellent well i might actually check that out a cop movie easy enough to remember <laughs> yeah and he's uh, uh and uh, he has another movie um i guess this maybe is just a second film and his first movie is also on netflix and i definitely have that on my list too so okay and that one's a narrative film not a mockumentary okay uh the next film that I have on my list, because I've been trying to whittle them down as I'm looking at them as we're talking, make sure I stay within structure. I'm going to go with Nobody, which was kind of a surprise uh, little film that, that came out this year. Early back in April, I actually forgot that it came out. But this is with Bob Odenkirk kind of going John Wick on some people. Oh, OK. I didn't didn't ring a bell, but now I know what you're talking about. It's, I mean, there's nothing super spectacular about it other than Bob Odenkirk being John Wick, <laughs> but it was, it was entertaining. It was like an entertaining 90 minutes, just rocking action packed, uh, revenge flick. Well, yeah, revenge or, or we're saying John Wick. I continue to forget what that movie's about. I need to watch them again, I suppose. But yeah. you don't know what John Wick's about. Nah, I do. I just it's it's about shooting people at close yeah. at point blank range over and over again. But in revenge fashion, like that's why he's doing it. It's, it's revenge for his dog. Second one's revenge for his house or some shit. And then I, I've I've never watched the third one, uh, even though people are like, "Oh man, you could watch it." Oh, it's like is it the same thing for ninety minutes again? But I'm not again not knocking it. I had fun with it too. But yeah, this one was just kind of a. a it was an unexpected delight, I guess, because it's you see Bob Odenkirk. He's been a comedian most of his life, and then he's been kind of making that transition. Better Call Saul, uh, where it's doing a little bit more dramatic, and of course Breaking Bad. Uh, but this was just complete and utter transformation. If you said Bob o Odenkirk action flick, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? This no. And I guess it would be no different than Michael Keaton being Batman. You know, he was known as a comedian uh, before that time. And then suddenly he's like, oh, yeah, he can be a Batman. So I guess, I mean, it's not that far-fetched, but he he did an amazing job. Uh, it was believable for what it was, for the insane action. But, uh, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. So definitely check that out if you're just looking for a fun 90-minute romp. And I might be misquoting how long it was, but I don't feel like it was a super long movie. Is this one available to see? Oh, uh, okay. I see it's on Amazon to rent. There you go. I don't know if it's on like a specific streaming service to watch like immediately. It, yeah. yeah, it looks like it's something you still have to pay for right now. But In due time. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting one. I remember when this one came out kind of out of left field and it was, I think, a little bit divisive for... For some people, mm -hmm. um, but definitely an interesting uh, casting decision, if nothing else, yeah, right? Absolutely, and I think that's that's the beauty of it too. Is I like that when you can kind of subvert expectations based on your casting, and then that actor just knocks it out of the park. I think it's more interesting that way versus getting 
that guy that you know from this thing. Oh, yeah, because we've got him because that's what he does. Why not find someone who's playing against type and really just, I don't know, make it work? That's that's more fascinating to me. Yeah, definitely. And I think like Michael Keaton's Batman is a very good example of that. Too. Yeah. Very interesting Batman. Mm -hmm. What else you got? Um, not sure exactly where to go next. And so I'll go back to one that we've talked about before, so we don't have to spend too much time on it, but that would be the Green Knight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you ever end up watching that? I didn't. Uh, that is definitely one on my list, though, because I did hear nothing but great things about it. Mm -hmm. So I definitely want to check it out. Yeah, and it's another kind of in the theme of, I guess, what, I don't know, the kind of things that have interested me is that it's like, it's a little bit baffling. You're like, what, what is this? What is happening here? What is this character? Um, it's very, um, I don't know. It's very, what's a good word for it? Obtuse. Subtle. <laughs> exactly. Obtuse is, is, I think, exactly the word that I was trying to think of. The character is just such a, a blank slate. And that can be a, a bad thing because it's hard to identify with the character or because you just don't know his motivations. But maybe it's also could be a good thing in that you can maybe put yourself in his shoes. I guess there's maybe two ways, two ways to think about that. But um, he just seems to be kind of a bumbling. You, you think he's going to be a hero because he's the green. Oh, he's not the green knight. Excuse me. He's um, I can't even think of the character he plays, but he's uh, oh, he becomes does he become Lancelot? I'm so bad at this. <laughs> anyway, he becomes one of the knights of the round table. Um, but this is before he is, you know, a knight. Yeah. And he doesn't have very much skill, you know, as a as a as a fighter, mm -hmm. <laughs> as a warrior. And he just sort of like kind of bumbles his way through this adventure. And things just happen to him. And um so that's kind of a I don't know, that's not always the most engaging way to um tell a story. And this movie also is it's kind of slow. Um I you know, I I think my wife and I, we were watching, we're like, you know, again, what are we watching here? But, you know, those are the kinds of movies I think that stay with you again, because they give you something to think about after the fact, you know, it's not all laid out to, laid out for you, cut and dry, like, here's just a fun story to watch. Um, but yeah, it's, but visually it's amazing. Um, not, I don't think they spent a ton of movie on this, a ton of movie. They didn't spend a ton of movie on this money, but... Um, a ton of money on this movie? Yeah, I said that on purpose, but <laughs> just making sure it, it looks. Yeah, it looks it looks fantastic. It's just really beautifully shot, uh, colors and the locations that they chose, and um, just amazing to watch. And just something again, when you watch it, you're just kind of a little bit uh, unsure, but after the fact, you know, it's again, it just kind of gives you something to think about. And mm. I just, it'll be one that I'll definitely watch again and again and again, like through probably throughout my life, not something that you're going to watch, um, repeatedly mm -hmm. back, you know, like in a short span, but it'll be something you can come back to, I think, and watch again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely want to check it and out. Be, and grab you, you know, mm -hmm. cause I think it's one of those movies that you'll, you'll get more and more out of it, the more you watch it. So not to say that this is what you said specifically, but I kind of got this sense that there's, um, I'm not saying you said it was a comedy, but is it, where you said he's kind of bumbling about it. it's not that kind of bumbling no 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 it's not like a physical comedy he just doesn't seem again like he is not um a competent um adventurer gotcha he basically survives throughout the whole movie uh based on luck and 
the grace of others. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Uh, what else do I have? Yeah, I can go through this one pretty quick if we're just looking for one to kind of burn through. Uh, it was one that I did watch twice. Uh, one, like, almost back-to-back -back within a week. I liked it. I know that it has also been very divisive. Uh, either people love it or hate it, but I think it was a very brutal, vicious take on this film or the, the characters of this film, Halloween Kills. Um, I just felt like it gave me everything that I was kind of looking for with that movie. I wasn't trying to do anything, uh, you know, recycle the same stuff, even though we're talking about a sequel to a movie, but they made some changes to uh, the lore, which I appreciated. Again, some people don't. It left us hanging at the end with an ending that you're just like, oh my God, where does this go? Uh, or, oh, you know, this will change things because I don't think people were looking at the ending the same way I was. Maybe I could be wrong, but I never heard it brought up. Uh, spoilers, if you're ready. Uh, have you seen it? I have not. Do you want to see it? I probably won't. I do want to, but... I mean, I can just... I cannot, I can say it without... Say it without spoiling Okay. It. So the way the movie ends, I feel like, uh, changes the dynamic of what they had been going for up to this point. That's just mm -hmm. the way I see it. Because I feel like it then flips the script, or it can. Granted, they can go in whatever direction they want to after this. I don't know <laughs> what their plans are, but I feel as though you can then swap it. You know, how everything that you've been doing this way, flip it on its head and do it another way. Because now you have a reason to do it that way, if you want to. But, again, I don't know what the filmmakers are plotting. They, they've apparently... I thought they had these in the can already. You know? And I, I just found out that they're just now starting to film again. Or just film the, the third installment. So, I was a little surprised by that. I thought they were kind of ready to go because they were supposed to come out in 2020 and then Halloween ends would have come out this year had COVID not happened. Thank you, COVID son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> but no, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was just a solid good time. It didn't beat around the bush. It was just like, you came for horror. We're going to give you horror, brutal, you know, slasher horror. And yeah, I, th I, I read a, a Twitter take and I don't remember the exact, but somebody was basically saying that same thing. It's like, I don't understand the um, all the criticism and all the confusion about this movie. And it's like, what the fuck? It's just a horror movie. Yeah. And it, it's like, it's enjoyable. And it was, it was scary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was like, you know, it just, it was a movie that, that, that told a story and it worked. It's like, I don't know what you what what you want out of this. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. I just, if you expect, <clears throat> I go in two horror films with very low expectations. I don't expect high art. And I think that's why I get pleasantly surprised or enjoy more horror films because mm -hmm. my expectations are low. If they can really make me just go, oh my God, this was just like amazing. Yeah. I mean, you've really done something that goes a little above your standard horror flick. And I'm not saying that this is above a standard horror flick. Uh, but I felt like they put a little effort into trying to make it stand apart, yeah. which I appreciate. In fact, I don't, we may have talked about this when the movie came out and I saw it. 
But one of the secrets I learned in this film is they did a flashback sequence with uh, showing Dr. Loomis. And in the moment, okay, in the moment when I first saw the film, I thought that they had done some deep fake stuff with an actor and just put uh, Donald Pleasant's face on an actor. And then it was like, yeah. And it looked really good. And I was like, wow, that's, that's some pretty impressive stuff. They're getting really good with this deep fake stuff. That was all makeup on a different actor. Blew my head wide open when I found that out. I was like, <laughs> you have got to be shitting me. You, you can actually do makeup now and make a, someone look like someone like that good? It, it was just like, holy shit. That was impressive to me. If there was one feat out of that movie that impressed me the most, it was that. That there was not a lick of CGI on that man's face. That was all makeup. Because he looked just like Donald Pleasance in 1978. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a fun time for, for Halloween. That's I mean, you're getting what you're getting. And I even feel like it's a step above uh, many other entries in the damn series. So enjoyed yeah i'm i, I kind of want to see this to be honest mm -hmm. i think it's i think it's a fun time or as fun as you can get with a horror film mm -hmm. you know intense how's that you know mm -hmm. you might not get scared but you can feel the tension in the air and just like oh yeah i love that that's what that's a good horror movie to me is you you're giving me that uncomfortable tension and i don't know what to expect right what else you got All right, we're going to go in the complete opposite direction and talk about passing. Did I mention this last time we talked? I feel like I've heard you talk about this, but uh, it's not ringing a bell. Might have been something you uh, were eyeballing. Yeah, I don't remember. Cause it's been a while since we did this show. But anyway, so this, is, uh, this came out on Netflix, uh, so you can watch it. It's uh, directed by um, a woman named Rebecca Hall. And it's based on a novel or a novella, I think, that came out in 1929 about um, black people in New York City passing as white. And um, I have heard of this. Yeah. So it starts uh, Tessa Thompson and uh, Ruth Nega, who I'm not familiar with, but obviously I've seen I've seen a ton of stuff with Tessa Thompson. And she um, kind of passes for white on on occasion when she wants to go to certain areas of town. And the Ruth Nega character has basically become like in um, fooled everybody into thinking that she's a, a white woman. Mm -hmm. She's married a white man who accepts her as white. And the kind of the twist of that is that he's um, a racist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's, yeah, so it's kind of an interesting premise and just the way it's done, um, black and white, beautifully shot and... It's another one of those movies where you, there's just a lot of different elements to it. The characters are all really, really well drawn, um, really interesting, like kind of multidimensional. And their motivations are, I think, with a lot of the best movies, aren't clear. So you're not quite sure what people want. And they're kind of like, they're drawn to each other, but also sort of repelled by each other. And um, just... Again, leaves you kind of guessing about what's going to happen. And then when the thing happens at the end, you're just kind of like floored by it. You can't believe <laughs> what you just saw. And there's also an ambiguity to it, which is awesome in that you don't know, even though you saw a thing just happen, you don't know exactly how it happened. 
And um, so it just kind of is this open-ended thing where, you know, you can leave it, it kind of leaves it up to you to, to, to decide what you think, you know, really just occurred here. So yeah, it's really good. Um, it's a little slow. I mean, it's, it's just a kind of a drama and, but again, beautifully shot, uh, really great music and awesome performances. And again, just something that just, uh, leaves you with this kind of queasy, uncomfortable feeling when it's all over. Right. Yeah, I definitely, uh, will. I remember seeing a trailer for that and I was like, oh yeah, I want to check that out. I didn't, uh, I guess it slipped my mind. I've just added it to my list. I will mm -hmm. uh, definitely be checking that out because I remember the idea sounding very fascinating to me. I was like, yeah, that'd be interesting to, to see. Uh, what else I got? Yeah. All right. So the last one that I have that I want to talk about uh, was, I wouldn't say that it surprised me, but I, I really enjoyed it. It was Val, the documentary on Amazon Prime. It was about Val Kilmer. Uh, I had no idea that he was in the shape that he was. Like I'd heard mm -hmm. uh, some things about his condition the cancer i just didn't realize it had gotten that bad because mm -hmm. I, I was i felt like i had seen him in something else uh recently and i couldn't tell you what that was specifically but it was just tombstone yeah tombstone <laughs> but it was it, it just blew me away and i was like holy crap that's terrible you know, and then you just listen to his story and everything he's been through and everything he's been working toward. And it just really broke my heart thinking that I'll never see him work the same way again, even though he's actually working on. And I don't really feel like they touched on it too much in that. But I know it came out sometime after the fact that somebody had created a computer program to recreate his speaking voice, because if you've heard him speak today, I mean, his his voice is shot because of the cancer. Yeah. Um, but to be able to just keep going and and not giving up despite it all, I know he. I, there's a movie that I saw him. He he's going to be in, and I cannot remember for the life of me what it was. But when I saw that he was going to be part of, it, I was like, "Holy crap, that's awesome!" You know, and that he's still working. Like he's not going to let this take him down. And it's it's really beautiful moving documentary uh you'll laugh you'll cry you'll have a good time so i highly recommend it if you've not seen it already yeah i started this one and i didn't i didn't get all the way through it yet but it is really good and um just a fascinating life and uh interesting background kind of a lot of tragedy in his own um family life mm -hmm. too and just really it really it's interesting to see um, what propelled him to to do what he you know, to to become what who he became, right. and I think it just gives you a, a really deep dive into his um, psychology and um, his personal motivation. So I think that was really really kind of interesting. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely one that I need to go back and finish. But I'm excited that we have um, a documentary and a mockumentary on our best of yeah. list. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, what else you got? Okay, so the last one, and I'm torn about this one. I don't know. I'm gonna, 
I'll just go ahead and, and just stick with it. The Power of the Dog. Okay. Uh, the new movie on, again, a lot of the stuff is on Netflix. I guess if it was easy to watch for me, it, it made my list. Uh, this is the new movie from Jane Campion, uh, her first film in a, quite a while. She's been doing some TV or streaming stuff, I guess, but Top of the Lake. Mm -hmm. Have you watched this one? I have not. Okay. So this is with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and um, the woman who's the original Spider-Man uh, love interest, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten. Okay. So, yeah. So kind of a Western in a way. Um, and, and Benedict Cumberbatch is kind of an interesting choice, I feel, casting-wise to play somebody, uh, a Montana ranch hand, mm -hmm. a cattle driver. But I think it was a, an inspired choice. He does... You know, he's a very, uh, very layered character. And this is another movie, going back to kind of my theme, that really kind of leaves you guessing about what's what this is all about. I know my wife asked me several times, like, what is this movie about? <laughs> like, you know, what is the story here? It definitely takes, it's a, it takes its time, which I think can, it is something you have to kind of invest in because it's not going to like grab you and just hold you, um, you know, at the edge of your seat. Right. Um, and I think that doesn't always work for, for streaming movies because there's, it's easy to get distracted and want to go do something else. So I think this is also playing in theaters. Um, and it would be an awesome movie to see in the theaters just because it's a beautifully shot movie and, you know, has all these amazing vistas and, and locations and whatnot. But, um, I think if you do give it a chance, uh, by the end, you'll be glad that you watched it or it, you'll, it's not something you're going to forget about, sure. you know? And, um, the, the character that has the most impact in the story disappears for like the a middle section of the film. And that's, I think where the movie kind of like almost, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not that it's not interesting that middle part, but, but the narrative kind of just, um, stops and just but it takes its time to like um i don't know put all the characters in their respective places and set them like all the tension up between them and then this character comes back in in the last third and then that's when the movie just jumps into um kind of like warp drive, not even warp drive but <laughs> gets going again and uh you you just don't know what is going to happen like who what who's what are these people's motivations? And there's hints along the way. So it's like, by the time the ending, the credits roll, you know, um, even though there is some ambiguity about it, you, you, there's enough there that you can be like, yeah, this is, this is what, this is what happened. And I yeah. didn't see it coming, mm -hmm. even though there were hints there, motivations were, were laid out pretty clear. Um, you still don't know it's going to happen. But then when it does happen, you're like, yeah, that, that was, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I'm trying to be, I don't want to spoil it for anybody and I'm trying to be really vague. I don't know if that's like interesting to listen to me talk about things that vaguely, but it is a fascinating story. Give it a chance, stick it out. If you get a little bit bored by it, um, I think it's worth it in the end. And just, a, I mean, really interesting performances. Everybody does I know Kirsten Dunst has gotten a lot of praise for her performance in this movie, as well as Benedict Cumberbatch. But the the young uh, man who plays such a central role in the character, t uh, the movie too, whom I don't know, but he's he's fantastic in it. And 
and just some really like some scenes that she just has a way of like uh, directing and including things that I don't think anybody else would have thought of including in a movie and to tell a story in a visual way that's not reliant on dialogue. Mm. Um, and then this movie's full of dialogue, but um, there's a lot of work being done here by just um, watching characters do things that are surprising and a little bit off-putting, I think. Yeah. Um, but also, like, re super relatable. Um, it's like something that you could imagine doing, but you wouldn't want anybody to know you were doing, <laughs> you know? Right. To, it, you can take that for what you, what you, well, I mean, take let your mind go where wherever it takes right. you anyway <laughs> so yeah i think that's uh that's my five there all right that was five right yeah Dune, power would... of the dog green knight cop movie passing yeah that was my five uh do you want to keep you want to do tv or do you just want to cut to because we're where are we at we're about an hour and i mean I, we took a minute a couple minutes for a break but about an hour and 10 the worst movies and then uh save tv for another episode. yeah i don't think we need to necessarily get into streaming because i think we've got a pretty decent okay chunk of stuff here so i just want to go through our worst uh of i'm probably not going to go into great detail because we've i know we've talked about some of these not all of them but i, I was trying to put together i looked through the movies that I watched and I was, as I came across certain ones, I was like, what did I watch this year that I didn't like? And I had to remind myself because I'd forgotten about them already. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about why these movies are bad other than the fact that, you know, it should be either apparent or you saw it. Uh, so I'm going to just, no particular order, but Mortal Kombat has to be on my worst of list because it was a huge disappointment for me. Uh, I know that there are people out there who liked it. I just felt like it was not a complete movie, but half of one. Uh, Tom and Jerry was a movie that was just kind of like, why does this thing exist? I know it was trying its best, but eh, I could do without it. I did. Tom and Jerry? Yeah, I sat through it because, you know, kids. You got kids. That's why you sit mm. through terrible movies sometimes. And I was hoping it would have been entertaining, and even my daughter got bored. She was like, nah, I'm good. Uh -huh. uh, I, I don't want to crap on this one either, but again, kids' movie Clifford. Uh, you know, I understand it's for kids. I guess it was kind of entertaining to a point, but at the same time, it was just like, I see exactly where this is going. It's a generic plot. You see, and then you start to question everything that happens, which is like, I understand it's about a big red dog. I get it. But there are just, at times, certain plot points are just like, but why? Why? That doesn't make any sense. And then you remember it's for kids. And you're like, just, it doesn't matter. Forget it. Uh, And while, again, while we're still on this trend, I don't hate kids' movies. Don't think that i'm being hateful to children's movies i appreciate children's or movies meant for kids that do not talk down to them and space jam 2 was one of those that was just god it was pop culture overload it's like just cram whatever we can into this fucking movie 
Yeah. And oh, look, it's that character. It's that character. Why were the characters from A Clockwork Orange in this movie? It doesn't make sense. It's just going to say that. This is a, oh, God, it was drained my brain. But if anything drained our brains the most, my top, this one is my, probably my top, is Army of the Dead. And I know we've beaten this yes. horse to death. <laughs> but it was, if I get to the end of the movie thinking that I had a good time, only to sit there and think, did I? And then I start to deconstruct every little thing. I realized how stupid this movie is. So, yes, I'm going to beat it to death again. Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. So much so that despite there was, a, what, two spinoffs that have come out of this that I think are on Netflix. I know at least one is the Army of Thieves or something like that, the, that he didn't mm -hmm. direct. But I don't want to watch it yeah. because I have that. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah. I am it's, the association. And I don't know that anybody watched. I don't remember. I know that one of them is out. I don't know if there's two, but I never heard Ed, a peep from anybody <laughs> that they'd watched it or I think I remember thought about it or I think I remember seeing an, a review for it saying it's actually really good because it was directed by the guy who was who stars in the movie. Like it was his movie. But and they said it's not, you know, zombie related or anything. It's like an entirely different type of movie. Oh, really? Because That's it's like weird. a heist movie. It's not about zombies because it's pre-zombies. Wasn't the wasn't Army of the Dead kind of a heist movie, though, too? Yeah. Like, so it's heist a heist movie without the zombies. <laughs> okay. But they said it's good. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll check it out. But I haven't, and I probably won't. Yeah. Because I just don't want to watch Army of the Dead anymore. I've talked so much shit about Army of the Dead this year that I almost want to go back and watch, actually watch Army of the Dead for... Because I, I only watched the first 20 minutes of it, and then... I decided that it was terrible. Well, but I just want to. Now I want to watch it. I mean, go for it. Think, go for it. I don't think I will. It's too long. It is. It is like way that. too long. And then you'll start looking and analyzing every little detail, saying, "What the hell is going on here?" Yeah. So, you do you. Don't don't worry about. I mean, you don't have to. I don't want you to sit through and waste two hours of your time. I just feel like I should, just because I've shit on it so much that I I feel bad that I haven't actually watched it because maybe it gets better. I know it doesn't, because no, you said it. No. I mean, you just said that it's the worst movie of the year, so I know it doesn't get better. But I mean, I just feel like I should at least try to watch the if, whole thing. If you do, you'd be you'd be doing a lot better than a lot of these uh, Dave Chappelle haters, huh? Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> Come at me! No, don't. I will say one thing about that, and I'm not trying to get controversial. I watched the stand-up special, and I don't understand what the problem is. But that's me. Don't come at me. Help me understand. I'm just, I don't, I didn't, I don't understand the problem. <laughs> like, I got the jokes, and I don't, there. I support everything. Everybody's right to this and that. I have no problem. So don't at me thinking that I'm some hateful bigot. I'm not. I'm all for your rights, but... I didn't. I, You're also for his right to. Uh, I, do, I to make to make jokes or. <laughs> well, I, do, I don't. Again, I I heard all the jokes, mm -hmm. and I don't understand why people are offended. You know, that's all I'm going to say on it. I just I don't I'm I don't see it through what they see. Yeah. I guess so. You want to get angry? Don't get angry. Help me understand. That's all I'm saying. How about? I, I'm a big. I I love Dave Chappelle. And um, 
you know, watched this comedy for 20 years. Mm-hmm. My thing is, um, and I think there's some nuance and some subtlety to his point of view mm-hmm. that gets lost um, or that people just don't want to see. They just they just take it as an attack, uh, which to an extent it is. So it's, I just wonder, like, why he has chosen this um why he has chosen to make so much of of this issue and i wonder like if it's because he has gotten so much pushback and um people have uh, um you know criticized him so strongly that he feels like well if they're going to come at me because i made some jokes um then i'm just going to double down essentially sure but you know i just feel like and he can do what he wants to do i just wonder you know like with his 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 mind in the sharpness of his mind and all the things that he could be making um pointed comedy about why and maybe there is a longer maybe there is kind of an, a, a bigger purpose to it that <laughs> yeah will come up will come out later on i just feel like and again i i i understand where people are getting upset by it mm-hmm. but i also feel like they're missing the point and um and so again, if people want to get upset with me, then I guess that's okay. But I'm, I mean, I'm like you. I don't, I don't have any problem with anybody, except for people who can't, I guess, understand. Uh, <laughs> take a joke, or yeah, can't take a understand joke or, the nuance. Because exactly, yeah, nuance is definitely because jokes lost. can be hurtful and they can be mean spirited. Mm-hmm. And I do think that I don't know. I think he's walking a line though. Yeah, um, which. I don't know. It just kind of remains to be seen where it's going to go. But Understand. anyway, so worst movies. Yeah. What what movies do you have on your list? Um. So I don't. Well, I don't have a whole lot of worst movies. Um. I didn't see a lot of really bad ones. But the one that I did watch all the way through, or two, I guess, would be the Tomorrow War, mm-hmm. which was just the bland nonsense, um, with Chris Pratt and uh, Kate, which I think we talked about a little bit. It's another one of these um, kind of a um, what's it what's it called? What's the Keanu Reeves movie you referenced? Oh, earlier? John Wick. Yes, sorry. It's another like kind of a John Wick inspired uh, revenge flick assassin movie where lots of people get the body count piles up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's you know it's a a woman assassin, so that's I guess a, a in its favor, and the two main characters are are women. Kind of like a, another one that was very similar to this that I've seen on your um, Gunpowder Milkshake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so it's very much like that. But the problem with this one, aside from the fact that it's just not original, not interesting in any way, is that it's a white character, or mostly white characters, Caucasians, Europeans, Americans, who go to an East Asian country and then just kill kill a bunch of <laughs> Japanese people. It's like... Are we, you know, there's, why are we still doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's just, it's kind of like this colonial mindset, which seems to be obvious, obviously problematic. Mm-hmm. And yet it, these movies still get made. Good actors still participate in them. It's like, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have done this. Yeah. Um, it's just weird. And another movie, this is not a 20, 2021 movie, but similar um michael mann is one of my favorite directors and i guess his last movie kind of landed with a thud and it stars thor and it's called the black hat 
Hmm. And I just I recently just watched that because not a lot of his movies are available for streaming, but that one was on HBO Max. And um, it's actually, I think, a little bit underrated until it gets to a, a very particular point where um, the white characters, the protagonist and the antagonist, face off in the midst of a, a festival in, I can't remember which country they're in, but it's an Eastern, Eastern Asian or Southeast Asian country. And they just like um, shoot at each other. But they also, in the crossfire, happened to kill a bunch of festival goers right. who were just all dressed in like kind of a, a ceremonial like robe. So they're kind of like this. It's just a very gross thing that he. I was like, why would you? You know, you're. This seems obvious. Mm. You don't. You shouldn't do this. So Kate has that same problem, I think, where it's like you have a kind of a. Um. They they just should have had it in in America, right? <laughs> Let's just put it, just stop it there. But then they probably would have had like a, all the gangsters be black, and then we would be in the same position that we are in now. Mm. There's just a lot of like blind spots, I think, that uh, movies are still falling under, falling into, right. which is unfortunate. Well, that was a, that was a tangent. <laughs> but hey, I mean, you made your point about the. So yeah, those were the two. I think those were really the only two that I would call bad movies. I mean, I saw some movies that weren't my favorites that I didn't think were like little things. Mm -hmm. um, I thought was okay, but it wasn't necessarily bad. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably could have done without shitting on um, Clifford. Clifford. It was so, but it's just <laughs> generic, man. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm not trying to, to hate, but you know, no, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Kids deserve good content too. Yeah, they don't have to be pandered to and talked down to. And they have kind of where I'm at with it. I mean, why do you why do you have to talk down to them? They're smart, ish, can be. So uh, that's all I really have as far as um, movies, best of, worst of. We could do uh, TV some other time if you want, but. I mean, we're we're keeping the we're keeping the folks a little bit longer than we usually do, but I mean, I, hopefully they're enjoying this, and hopefully they have their favorite movies, their top five, their top five best and worst of. If you do, you can send us emails. You could send us tweets or what have you. If you want to tell us what your favorite movies of the year were, or the ones you hated the most. If you hated Army of the Dead, at us on Twitter and say hell yes, Army of the Dead is terrible. And then tag Zack Snyder and let him know how bad his movie sh is, too. Because <laughs> he needs to know. I really don't like his movies. The more and more I've even thought about it, I gave Justice League too much credit. His version. Anyway, uh, Army of the Dead sucks. Uh, tell your friends to find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 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 The S and <laughs> the P's, they came together. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Zack Snyder just potifies the whole movie he industry. potified everything. Uh, Anchor, Podbean, YouTube.com slash Pencil Paper Productions. We're, we're in most places nowadays. So if you've got us on your podcast list, tell your friends, hey, go, go check this out. Everybody's on Spotify from what I hear. Uh, even better, you can head over to PencilPaperProductions.com slash Cinema Salsa and just bookmark it and follow everything straight from there. But that's what I do. In any case, be sure to join us again next time. 
But until then, keep supporting your local theater. This has been a Pencil and Paper Podcast Network production.